And like that, we back. Hey, you almost knocked me down, man. What is excuse me? Ah, uh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Not only just knocked me down, you stepped on my brand new uh, white Air Jordans that I just bought. Man. That's all you can say is excuse me. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. I'll fuck you up quick two times. Two times. Who told you to step on my sneakers? Who told you? Welcome to the From the Soul podcast. Brought to you by Limitless Lifestyle Crew. Let's get into it. All right, man. And just like that, we are back with another episode of From the Soul Podcast. I appreciate all of the love thus far. Everybody uh, hit me up, you know, rating me five stars, leaving reviews, all of that good stuff. And to anybody who's just showing love on the social media platforms, all of that jazz, uh, I do appreciate it. Obviously, I'm your host, JT, JTown32. If you would like to follow me on any of the social sites, today's a great episode. We do have a special feature, special guest in. I'm very excited to uh, have him on and appreciate him taking his time. But before we get to that, uh, we do a sneaker search. You all know that. So this week's sneaker search, it should be plain and simple enough. But uh, it may not be. So let's just take it to something very basic. And that's going to be the Nike Cortez, uh, which actually debuted Nike Cortez from obviously Nike. Uh, Bill Barman was the original uh, pretty much architect or designer of the shoe. And it released in 1972 for the 1972 Olympics. This is Nike's first track shoe, um, which is dope to see. And obviously it has its ties to... I would say even just like regional places, right? So when you see a Nike Cortez, you like to tie that to California, specifically L.A., which is funny because our guest, while not from L.A., uh, is actually out there making crazy moves. And I'm just excited to have him. The guest today will be featuring uh, Frenchie, Mr. Frenchie Go, Frenchie Go. I do appreciate you for joining. How are you today? Whoa, I love that transition. I love how you did that. Listen, as a student of broadcast, I'm a big fan when people when people know what they're doing. I'm good, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, no problem, man. Well, you know, um, listening to you and reading on you, the thing is, you said always be prepared, right? So that's where I try to step my game up and make sure I'm doing my research. So for the, the audience listening and uh, everybody, I want you to know. So Frenchie is... I I guess you could say a a jack of all trades entertainer. Um, You've seen Frenchie on commercials. Um, You've seen uh, Frenchie in WNBA and NBA arenas. Um, You've seen him on, I would say, red carpet events. You've seen him at the Grammys. Um, Pretty much everywhere. It's kind of crazy. And uh, like I said, all things entertainer. I would call you something like a curator of uh of the good vibe curator of the good vibe i think that's something that might work work for you um crazy out there today like i said i know we started off early i'm in atlanta you're in la how are things how are things out there in uh, la for you today wow i mean well if you watch the news, it would seem like LA is falling apart right now. And I get a call from my parents every day just to, to make sure that I'm still alive and that I'm doing right. okay. But uh, thankfully, man, I'm still here. My health is great. Uh, so I really can't complain. Like 
I'm all right. I'm, I'm all right. But it, there's, there's definitely a lot going on out there. And I wish people would uh, just stay safe and put their mask on. Yeah, it's, it's really what's crazy is it's quite simple. But uh, I get it, man. You know, we you are used to a certain way of life. And uh, it's just hard, I guess, for a lot of people to transition. But when you bring it in a matter of life and death, it's a little bit crazier. So uh, I guess unlike in California or L.A., I'm in Atlanta. It's wide open. So, and I mean wide open, I mean everything is open. You can, you know, you can go to high school games, you can go to, uh, you know, college games if they allowed. It's a certain, you know, limit, but it's pretty much wide open. So, uh, a tale of two different cities, I would say. All right. So, it's crazy. I got family, I got family that live in Stockbridge, and I love uh-huh. calling my cousins to just be like, What's happening out there? Because right. clearly there is no COVID in the city. Nah, nah, nothing at all. And um, I would say for the entrepreneurs, it's a dream. You know, you still, your buildings are still open. You can still operate at, you know, pretty high capacity. And for most of the country where it's closed down, if you want to have a nightlife, a lot of people come here. So, you know, entrepreneurs have been loving it. So, Let's kind of move on from that. I appreciate you, like I said, joining. Uh, we have Go Frenchie. Go, I would say. But if you want to follow him on Instagram, it's at Go Frenchie um, with a Y. So let's get started a little bit with uh, your story. It's, it's unique, I would say, um, from Queens. Am I correct? Queens, New York. Yeah, and from the- say that again. <laughs> I said from the mud of uh, Far Rock, Far Rock, Queens, where nobody goes to Far Rock. Uh, Far Rock was, is like one of those cities in Queens that is um, unappreciated. And the only reason why people know about it is because of the beach. Okay. So people will go there in the summertime and go to the, to the beach. But then aside from that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Far Rock, Far Rock gets the, the least amount of resources uh, Far Rock is full of uh, immigrants and working class uh, people. Okay. Um, and even the way that the city is set up, that if you want, you can just stay there and never leave. You got to get all, you got to cross over two bodies of water to even get into Manhattan. Right. So it's it's pretty much set up as a trap for you to stay there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I definitely understand. I come from a smaller city uh, in Michigan. Uh, Saginaw, Michigan, it's about probably about an hour and a half north of Detroit. So um, same thing here. And I think what helped me kind of was I knew I wanted to get out just because I wanted to go to school somewhere else. I wanted the for me, I wanted the HBCU experience. I went to Jackson State in Mississippi and that that warm weather kept me away from there. So for you, uh, a kid from Queens, you transitioned over to, like I said, you done things with nike with adidas you've done collaborations with Foot Locker and east bay and Kyrie and all this craziness um it, it's 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 amazing to see like a dream work but you started you say with hot 97 am i correct with, with angie martinez how was that particular started how did that prep you for everything that you you know you, you feel you have going on now um but working out hot was great. Uh, I was, I'll tell you one thing, just thinking about it. I was always tired. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing because when I was interning there, I would start off and I'd be going to school in the morning. So I was going to school. I was going to a two year college at the time because mm-hmm. my grades wasn't that great in high school. So I went to a community college first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to classes from like eight to 
from like 8 to 12.30, then hopping on the train, rushing to Manhattan to go prep Angie's News. Um, and then after leaving the Hot 97, then going to the garden to like shoot t-shirts uh, and doing my job there. But working at Hot, I learned so much. Um, I've always known that I wanted to work at entertainment. Um, and I'm a true believer in this, and I tell people this all the time. Don't say you want to work in entertainment. Don't say you want to work in sports and you have a job at Walmart. Like, figure out how to push yourself in a position so that opportunities and that great things can happen for you. Yes. You have to be surrounded by the action if you want to get into it. Um, so, yeah, working in the Hot 97 was great. I got to see all the artists. Uh some of my favorite people I mean growing up uh, I loved any kid from New York City that grew up in the 90s mm-hmm. it was all about Angie Martinez it was all about Funkmaster Flex right. so to be in that building and see those people and see how they operate and see how hard they work right um, it it definitely uh, birthed the uh, the hustler in you even more yeah. Um, yeah it was it was a good time and I mean I remember like, Music wasn't always my thing, but like mm-hmm. being around all those DJs, like a DJ enough, right. like a DJ Camilla, like you then start to even learn how their job works as far as like them getting booked and um, how new music gets to radio stations with the label reps and all of that stuff. So I was learning so much. I was tired as hell, <laughs> but I was learning. It was, it was so good to be there every time. I, I could only imagine like the gems that you were getting and the things that you would learn being. Like you said, with you were you were legends. Like you with Angie and Funk Funk Flex. So you you were legends, and you're seeing them at work, basically masters at their craft. Um, and also you get that I guess behind the scenes look as far as just from a a, a, a timing standpoint, right? You say okay, we we playing music here, we going commercial here, and you kind of get that gist of when to cut it off, when to cut it on. That had to be something crazy that helped you as you kind of transition on into, uh, you know, your in-host uh, arena gigs and, and things like that. But you also stated you just so you work with the Knicks as well. Um, being in that particular environment, I've seen, like I said, I've what I do is I storm the Instagram. So I look at all these pictures and I can see your energy just the happiness to be there, not necessarily knowing that this isn't the ending result or anything, but just the happiness to be there. How, how did you approach, you know, those Knicks games and that, and, and particularly bringing that energy every night, every home game? Well, we got a fun team. I'll I tell you that much. Like to, to be the t-shirt guy, not only for the Knicks games, but the New York Rangers games mm-hmm. and the New York Liberty games as well. Like, you're, you're, you're being surrounded by a whole bunch of people that are just coming to the arena to have fun in the first place. Right. So I always just take a moment and I'm just so thankful um, that that was my life at 18. Like at 18 <laughs> years old, I was hanging out at Madison Square Garden and saying what's up to Mello and like Crazy. kicking it with Don Starks. Like it, it, it literally was an experience that I can't even uh, fathom, but I'm so happy that I did it. Um, and then when it came to the energy, like I said, I was surrounded by good people. And everybody knew, like, when it's showtime, like, whether the Knicks are winning or losing, whether the Rangers are having a really good run or they're not, mm-hmm. we here to make these people happy. Right. That's what they came That's what they came for. Right. So you went next to, you know, those particular positions helped you kind of land that position with, the New York Liberty where you became a, a, a in-game host. 
So now you are transitioning from, you know, you're on the spotlight, but with the team to now it's you, right? It's you. You're, you're like you said, you're bumping elbows with I'm, the garden. I'm assuming crazy amounts of people are coming in to, to watch the game. You're talking with, you know, head coaches. That had to be a surreal feeling as well as far as that transition to to, to being an in-game host, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, took a, it took a while, to be honest. I've always known what I wanted to do. So being at the Garden um, definitely gave me the opportunity to really start working on those skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, MSG Network, uh, there was a woman, her name is Jill Martin, and she would be courtside doing halftime reports. And I remember one day I was like, listen, I'm probably getting in trouble or get fired <laughs> for this, but let me go holler at this chick uh, and see right. uh, how I can be of service. So I remember going up to her and asking her, can I just be your intern? Can I shadow you for a yeah. game or two? Just so that I have the opportunity to learn. Um also, shout out to, to my mentor and big brother, Jason Negron. He was the person that really put that mic in my hand and, and really saw something in me and helped and help me like really nurture those talents. But the number one thing for me being at the Garden is I always told people I wanted to be a host, whether it was for the New York Liberty or whether it was a, a side gig that they were doing on the weekend. Like, if you need somebody to get on the mic, let me do it. Right. Um, but still, I had to wait in line because there were other people with that same exact dream in that building. So, uh, it, it like I said, amazing experience. And then, of course, once I got the opportunity to be the host for the Liberty, um, it was a game where uh, my guy Jason actually couldn't make it. So they had to uh, have me do it. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I mean, I did it and I sucked. <laughs> Terrible. Like, I, I, I have that video footage and I keep it with me every now and then, just in case I need to check myself. I'll go back and look at it like, yo, you sucked. Right. Um, but I learned from it and, and got better. So we go there. So And speaking of uh, Jason, I just want everyone to know. So Frenchie also does a podcast uh, titled Voices of the League. Uh, he had Jason on one of the first episodes, if not the first episode he he recorded. It was delightful to hear. Uh, for me, um, I enjoy hearing things like that. Now, I'm, I am a sports guy. I grew up playing basketball. or I felt like I wanted to be in the league, and obviously things kind of turn out a different way. But oftentimes, I think we are not, especially – just, just being honest, those who look like us, we don't know of all of these other ways to get inside of maybe an NBA arena, a WNBA arena, or even, hell, NHL, right? We can do all of that, too. So I, I, I appreciate your podcast for what it brings there, kind of uh, talking to in-game hosts or uh, game announcers, just, just all types of crazy opportunities that um, will enlighten the people as far as, you know, what's going on. Maybe you can't make it to the NBA, but you do have a chance at being an entertainer somehow and being involved with the league. So thank you for that. So everybody check Voices of the League out. But back to you being that host. So you transition to the host. This is from this old podcast now. Once you're in the spotlight, your whole fashion sense kind of has to shift, right? Because you have all eyes on you. Um, what was that like? What would you describe your sense of fact? I know you probably get, you know, team gear and stuff like that initially, but what was, what was your initial fashion sense when, you know, okay, the mic's in your hands, Frenchie, go, let me see what you can do. How are you looking? How are you dressing in front of all of those tens of thousands of people? 
listen, I'm from New York, uh, fashion capital of the world, okay? <laughs> so if I was to ever come out and look busted or look a mess, I know I'd be getting a call from my sister, and I know I'd be getting a, call, a text from my boys like, yo, you look crazy out there. <laughs> so for me, uh, it was always important that when, whenever I did get on the mic, um, I love people like like Craig Sager, mm-hmm. um, who who I would say coin like the over-the-top dress, the yeah. over-the-top suits, like... Yeah. It has you have to look good. You have to. It's very important to the entire package. You know, sometimes people can't hear you, but they'll see you first, yes. and then they'll tune in. Yes. You know. So for me, it was always very important for me as a host to make sure that I was hitting people with multiple senses. Um, I love over the top stuff. I love flashiness. Like, <laughs> like I said, kid from Queens, from New York City. Uh, my dad also, or really like the, the men in my family, also love to dress up and and being raised from Haitian parents, like they were always telling me like, uh, you ha- you always have to look the part, right? Like, you always yeah. have to look the part. You always have to look great because people will judge you based off how they see you first before you even open your mouth. That is true. So you gotta look great. Um, so yeah, to me, fashion was always a thing. I mean, I did my thing and of course walked around the team store and saw what they have, but I gotta <laughs> tell you nine times out of the 10, <laughs> Uh, the fashion is not there at the team store. So, um, even, even as I continued to host more, um, after I left the garden and, and, and worked for the New York Liberty, I toured with the Harlem Globetrotters. And I remember, uh, linking up with a really good friend of mine, Damo from New York, who was a fashion designer and he was just getting started, but we worked on a few pieces. We, we, he designed a few jackets for me that I know that nobody could get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I ended up uh, going to a fashion store in New York and getting some like, uh, some gems and be dazzled my Jersey. Right. Just like little things that I know would yeah, catch the details. Little, like, yeah, the details. it would catch the eye, whether you're eight years old or 80 years old, yeah. you're going to see me. Yeah. Um, and then from then on, yeah, it just got louder and louder and louder to the sparkly jackets and all of that stuff. But listen, when it's your time, you got to make you a mark. Ready. You have to. You got to be ready. So with that, like you said, so you transitioned and actually started touring. So with the touring, that's a bit different. And um, you're with the Harlem Globetrotters. And obviously you are at this point, you know, it's not just a U.S. thing you are recognized around the world. So um, with that, I, I mean, I, I did see a couple, you know, Adidas superstars with the, you know, Harlem Globetrotter colorways and, you know, just little pickups here and there. Um, how would you describe as far as just that feeling, though, in a sense, I guess, from a game time standpoint? Because a lot of what the Harlem Globetrotters do, it is a show. So if you're the host of the Harlem Globetrotters, you better be as good as the players or the play that we get to see. How would you describe that for you? Man, what a legendary and iconic brand and organization. I mean, I think anybody that hears that name, either you've either been to a game or you like saw it on Scooby-Doo mm-hmm. or you've owned a toy or like, <laughs> but they've been around for such a long time. And the year that I went, they were celebrating their 90th year anniversary, 90 years. I mean, I think they're about to hit a hundred um, because that was, yeah, that was a few years ago, but 
touring with them, I always tell people, was the best and the worst time of my life. <laughs> uh, the, the best time, because I got to see uh, so much. Like, we were in a different city every single every, day for every. five months straight. Jeez. Like, I've been everywhere. And as a kid from New York, it's like, most people that live in major cities, you know, New York, LA, Atlanta, where you are, mm -hmm. like, once you're there, you're there. It's like nothing else. It's like, we have everything. Right. But torn with the Globetrotters, I mean, Albuquerque, New Mexico, one day, Seattle, Washington, the next day, uh, Tennessee, the, the following day, and then we'd be in Canada, and then we'd be in Europe. So, number one, you lose track of time. So, like, even right now, while everybody's like, I don't know what day it is. I'm like, man, y'all late. You ever go on tour, you never know what day it is. All you know is the schedule. Yeah. We got to be on the bus by this time, to be at the arena by this time, and be back on the bus, or your ass is going to get left. Easy. And that's it. <laughs> but it was, man, it was, it was the greatest time. It made me one of the, the uh, I'd say, one of the best entertainers um, it prepared me for the NBA because all I was doing was working on my craft every single day. Um, and being around some of the best, not only uh, ball players, but entertainers yep. as the Harlem Globetrotters, mm -hmm. like all they do is strive for perfection. All they do every single night. The um, You start doing a show every single night, it can get a little boring. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, what they would do is they would always switch it up just a little bit, just a little bit. They would switch it up and add little things and um, just so that it was never boring for us as the entertainment yep. and the players. Yep. Um, and the crowd had a great night every single night. It was good. Um, but I say it's the worst time of my life just because you don't control your schedule. Yeah, it's they control strenuous. Everything. It's strenuous. Uh, I, work, I work as a consultant and I, I used to travel a lot before I told them I got to stop and all that. Uh, being on the road is strenuous. I don't care who you are. Uh, it can wear down on anybody. So um, you, you you also stated, and I, I, like I said, I've been doing my research. So you stated when you worked for the Globetrotters, that's when you really started like just buying a lot of like shoes and sneakers and just things like that. Was there anything in particular that you were buying or you were just saying, okay, I like that. I think I can get a fit off with it. You know, let's send those back with me. Yeah. What's crazy is uh, we, we were living the life on that tour. You get to save money. You're on a bus. Uh, the only thing that you're really paying for is food, right? Yeah. Again, a lot of weight when I was on tour, too, by the way. <laughs> Especially when we were in the South. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I mean, we'd be in really small towns like in Kentucky and, and, and uh, ride into a small mall, and you'd see shoes that would be super sold out. Mm -hmm. In New York or L.A. or Atlanta or like wherever it'd be sold out. But then you'd be at some really small circuit mall and there they are. Yep. And I remember there were these um, these all red Adidas, um, I think they were like Boost okay. that yeah. I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And ended up getting them, but they were, like I said, they were sold out online. But they looked great because they matched my Harlem Globetrotter colors, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they were perfect, but... I mean, I was getting everything. I mean, we'd be in certain cities, and I'd be like, all right, let me pick up some Air Max 90s, or yeah. we'll go to another city. They'd be like, all right, let me pick up some Uptowns. Like, yeah. And then it started getting to the point where I had no space. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I had to chill. Um, but, man, yeah, that definitely because we were, because we were touring and constantly in different cities, 
Um, and as we were going to different cities, I was just seeing certain shoes that I've never seen before. Right. That was like the perfect time to always be like, all right, let me pick this up. Let me pick these up. Let me pick these up. Let me, uh, let me, let me say this or ask this real quick. Would you say that like your, I guess, sneaker or shoe uh, collection has always been like very diverse, not tied down to one particular brand or anything? Because I mean, you do work with teams that obviously are associated with brands or even if you're in the league they're associated with the brand but for you uh specifically and on like a i guess more of a personal has your style always been more diverse as far as if i see it i like it you know i'm going to wear that yeah i mean i never grew up as the kid that had money my parents wasn't buying me all the shoes that i wanted so i had to be creative Mm -hmm. um and, and go with what was affordable at the time. Um, now I'm in a position where, of course, I, I have different partnerships with yep. a Nike or a Foot Locker and they're sending me things. That's but awesome. <laughs> this, is all, this is all new. Like that, that's, that's the dream that every, every kid from the hood prays for, right? Like free sneakers. Um, but yeah, this, this is all a new life for me. Like this is, this is all very new. Um, but yeah, for, because I didn't grow up uh, getting all the shoes that I wanted, I couldn't get every Jordan release. I, I just couldn't. Right. Um, I had I had to be creative, drawing on shoes, getting Vans, just getting other brands. So, have I ever been tied down to one brand specifically? No. It's just whatever works. If it's fly and I know that I can rock it, I'm a copy. As it should be. As it should be. All right. So. Coming to coming from the Harlem Globe Charters, now you make this big change and you're with the you're in you the, the New York kid goes to LA. You go all the way to LA and you get a job for the Clippers and not just when I say the Clippers, y'all, I'm not talking about the Clippers of old when everybody was talking crazy. You were there right in literally prime time CP3, Chris Paul, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, the the energy had to change, and with that, the style had to, it had to change just a little bit to be in front of those L.A. lights, I know, right? Yeah, but like I said, once again, <laughs> I'm from New York, <laughs> so everybody here in L.A. gets their fashion from the, the top three cities. What is that? Uh, uh, New York, Paris, and, and uh, Milan, I think, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's but, it. Yeah, like, you were ready. I'm from I'm from New York. I called my boy Damo again, and I said, listen, I got another popping job. We have some clothes to make, and that's what we did. Uh, drafted up designs. We were on the phone. I remember that we were on uh, FaceTimes for like a week, just like coming up with different concepts of what I wanted to, what I wanted to look like out there. Um, and, yeah, I remember picking up all the pieces from him and then moving. I, li- I like the but, fact that you were you and uh, your boy uh, is Damo. Uh, you all you yeah. were creative with it, right? Like instead of just going to cop what you see, maybe everybody else wear, going to a set store, you kind of creative with it. I think that's uh, that's very dope. But being with the Clippers during that time, I can only imagine the elbows that you kind of rubbed against and the people that you got to see. But obviously you were good at that because that transition to you being a, you know, host for multiple all-star, you know, all-star weekends. So, again, like it's always that's a level up. That's a level up as far as, you know, what you're wearing. And and for you, because you always felt uh, you were raised to, you know, you better look good. I'm sure, you know, 
I, at that point, I want to wear two or three. If I'm in the All-Star game or I'm in the All-Star week, I want to two or three outfits maybe in a night. Was it anything like that for you? Of course. <laughs> uh, the, the first All-Star game I did was uh, 2017, and that was in New Orleans. It was my first year as an actual host in the league, and they called me up, which is such a blessing because that doesn't happen to anybody. Um, you got to be good. You got to be really great for them to do something like that. Um, right. So I'm super thankful for that the, the, that opportunity. But uh, yeah, New Orleans was the first night. And once I figured out, found out what my script was and figured out where I'd have some downtime, I bought two fits, of course. <laughs> and then when I got called back again to do it in LA in 2018, we did the same exact thing. We had the fit for the first half of the night yep. and then switched up for the second half of the night. And I remember uh, laughing because Spike Lee, who I've known since I was like 19 years old, just he's a huge Knicks fan. Right. I remember him like uh, laughing at me on the side and being like, man, you changed your outfit. You changed your outfit. Like, okay, I see you. And I remember the second fit was hard. The second fit was tough. It was an all-white uh Oh, I did all white, white pants with a red top hat. Um, and there were these sneakers at the time. The off-whites were, I mean, the off-whites are still, like everybody wants uh, what of Virgil course. is putting out. Yeah. But uh, they were the off-white uh, I, I hyper Yep, the hyper dunks. Mm -hmm. Off-white hyper dunks. And it was so hard to find. Man, like those sneakers, unless you knew the plug, you couldn't get them. <laughs> But I figured out a way. <laughs> right, right. So that's that's all you can do. So, um, like I said, the kid from Queens. If you all are listening, obviously we have uh, Go Frenchy on Instagram. We got Frenchy in game uh, hosts as far as WNBA now, I believe. Um, and then obviously entertainers been on commercials. All of this good stuff. Just really a kid who knew what he wanted to do and uh, obviously made things happen. So now that you are. You know, you are that public figure with the recognition, all of that good stuff. And now you you work with Nike or you work with Adidas. Um, you work with Foot Locker, East Bay. Like I said, I've seen you with Kyrie. I believe you said something about doing something with Donovan Mitchell as well. Um, those are like huge uh, blessings that, you know, you work hard for, but it still got to be a humbling feeling to even think of your journey and think of where you are, where they are sending you shoes. Um, does it get old though? Is it something that gets older? Is it, like you said, you said it's new, but in a sense, you've been doing it for a couple years at the very least. How is that feeling now versus in the beginning? Uh, I'm just wiser now. Um, I think a lot of the times when people talk about uh, the industry and they talk about uh their journey, they always focus on the highlights. Yeah. For me, I've learned so much in the valleys that that I've had to like go through in order to even get to this position right. where it's like people not acknowledging how great you are or people knowing and ignoring or uh, having to walk away from opportunities because they just don't respect your worth. Yeah. Like I would say the 18-year-old kid that got in and was super excited and um, this was a dream now at 29 years old, I'm wiser. I understand how to move. I, I, you know, there's people that I can call on if I ever need advice. I have like really, really great mentors mm -hmm. who have helped guide me uh, to this position. And like I said, just through the experience of it all, you get smarter so that you can um, make smarter moves and make smarter choices along the way. Great. So um, 
going to finish it out. Um, I appreciate you, Frenchie, for, like I said, having the time and taking, even on a Friday, we are, it's Friday, so we do appreciate you joining. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I would like, especially the listeners, obviously go follow him on Instagram at GoFrenchie with a Y. Um, also, um, follow Go for, or visit his webpage at GoFrenchie Go. Has a lot of good stuff on there. Before we close it out, I got one last thing. You are, in a sense, you are, this This is an entrepreneur thing. Like, you know, I understand the league in a sense where you're saying everything isn't, this isn't a year-round thing, so you're hustling up other things, other gigs, other opportunities and making the best of it. Uh, and like you said, putting yourself out there for those who may be inspired or or aspiring to actually be in the entertainment industry as it pertains to sports do you have anything or any words of encouragement to share with them yeah don't stop don't stop this 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 is not easy this is not made for the faint of heart at all um i've I've worked with people and been around people who thought that they wanted to get into this and then realized (laughs) what it was and decided not to yeah decided that they that their dream switched right and and that's okay but it's like Figure out what it is, and if it's something that you're passionate about, don't do it because your parents want you to do it. Don't do it because somebody else tells you that it's the right thing to do. Like, you got to do that shit for yourself every single day. There are no days off as an entrepreneur at all. Um, You have to find that time, and that's something that I've worked on throughout this pandemic, of course, when everything has slowed down. Right. there is literally always something to do. There's always somebody to meet. There's always a project to work on. There's like literally, there's always a an, an opportunity to make yourself better. So don't don't say don't say you want to do this and half ass it. Like you gotta go hard every single day. Because while you're not going hard, somebody else right, is. Um, and at the end of the day, it will show. Yep. So the work is the work, man. That's what he's basically telling. The work is the work. Be ready to put it in. Um, and you heard that straight from Go Frenchie yourself. Um, like I said, in-game host. Right now, I believe the WNBA Liberty. Wish we had a... No, 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 no. I'm, I'm in LA, so... I'm, so oh, uh, the Sparks. The Sparks. Yeah. In-game host yes, for the LA, LA yeah. Sparks. I am so sorry. So, yeah, the Sparks. I'm forgetting you in LA. I'm thinking about the yeah. old days, so the Sparks. No, no, no. Listen... <laughs> Hey, man, my resume's long, so I completely understand, okay? <laughs> but, but you heard it straight from him, man. Working hard. The work is the work. Be ready to put it in. Follow him at Go Frenchie on Instagram. I appreciate you all joining. And just like that, we will be back.